Last week, we started talking about influences, and we're going to continue talking about influences today. And I, I know I posed a question last week, and I have another question that I want to pose in my message. It's, uh, it's, it's even, for me, it was a little even more weightier than, than last week. But I just, um, influences, you know, our behaviors are influenced. I just, I want to remind us about influence because a lot of times that even though we hear that, like, yes, I am, you know, we are influenced somehow, um, but we may not think that we ourselves are influenced that much. It's, it's simpler for us to say someone else is influenced, but not me, not as much as them. Uh, it's that resistance is futile mindset, right? We're going to not allow to be moved by majority of people. Um, but we are influenced because we don't want to start from zero. Like, for example, whenever you're trying out a new restaurant, are you seeking feedback from people who've been there? Does that influence whether or not you go there? All of a sudden, you're influenced. <laughs> What about the vehicle that you buy? What about who you're hiring? What about your physician and your doctor? It's not that we're just influenced by default. I just want to get further and say that we actually solicit influence more than we can, more than even we realize. Um, and we especially solicit influence when we are stuck or we don't know what to do or where to go. If you're in an unfamiliar area, that is where you and I are most prone for influence. Because if you know something, you have your own weight that you apply to it. But if you don't, you're just like, who sounds the most convincing? A researcher asked this question, how are people influenced to work harder, to do better? And also maybe how are people influenced to be demotivated or do worse? And the answer was cockroaches. Uh, he, he did a study using cockroaches. And here's what he, um, what he did. He built a, a cockroach stadium. He built a cockroach stadium, and um, he had them run two mazes, right? One, the first maze was just a straight shot. The second maze was a straight shot, but then at the end, the cockroach had to choose whether to go left or right. So it's a little more complicated than a straight shot. And what he found was that individual, the individual cockroach, straight shot, no problem, no, no problem. Put a few more cockroaches in there, and that straight shot was even quicker and more confident. The same thing with the straight shot and then left or right. And what happened was that having, co having multiple cockroaches, I know, you never thought I'd say cockroach in church, but here we are. <laughs> um, 
But what happened was that when you put multiple cockroaches and they go and then they're confronted with a decision that's a little more complex, there's significant hesitation. And so the, the kind of the conclusion of all this is that, is that whenever you're sure, whenever you're sure of what you're doing, the influence actually comes along and supports you. But when you're not sure and there's influence, it actually puts you in a place of hesitation. And it's actually true with sports. Um, I throw discs. One of the things with throwing discs is that you, I never go by myself, because I'm not really in practicing. I just want to go with people. And, um, and what happens is that when you come together with people, everybody throws at a different level. And so sometimes what happens is that is that when you're with a group of people, you're gonna, you do your best and you're like, wow, that was such a great shot. You feel so good about yourself. And then you have some punk 17 year old who's just like flimsier than you. And he out throws you times and a half. You don't wanna throw discs again because that was an influence against me trying to improve because the, um, he was so much better than me. It, the distance was like, oh, I'm just giving up. I'm done. This is, this is not going to work. If someone's just a little bit better than you, then that influence actually pu- pushes you in a positive direction. It creates this competitiveness. But if it's too far, then you just simply give up. And that's the power of influence. And it happens that in, in, in such ways that, that you don't realize that you've even been influenced. And a lot of times then you'll have a poopy attitude, like, ah, oh, this sucks, whatever, let's go do something else. And you haven't realized that, that someone's influence actually triggers a, a different outcome in you than, than, than you thought. And so, so that happens in life. Um, social media uh, kind of just amplifies that significantly. And I know I mentioned this last week, but I, I just want to kind of talk about this for a second because social media, what happens is when you're looking at social media, the influence is that you just want to copy what you see. You know, we know that in social media, people just post the best of everything. And we just want to take that best and apply it to our reality. And it doesn't really work. Um, but it also triggers us that, you know, for example, that, that if, if you like this band, right? And you're like, oh man, this is a great band. And then you see that everyone else likes this band. You're like, you know, I actually don't like them anymore just because they're popular and everyone else likes them. You may even revert to saying, actually, I like their original stuff, much more classier. Um, and so it's, it's that other kind of influence, and we would never put words of like influence on things like that, but we all know that we've been influenced in that way. And, and so it's all around us, right? It's all around us. It's not a if, it's like a positive or a negative influence. Um, So I wanna talk about specifically this morning about the influence that Jesus has in your life. And the first layered question is, does Jesus have influence in your life based on um, default? or you're just in the mix and there is influence? Or are we soliciting influence from Jesus? 
who, and this is, this is the, the second question that I just want us to sit with this morning. Who or what has influenced or is influencing you to burn for Jesus, to pursue Jesus, to go all out? Who or what is influencing you to just keep going, to want more of him? Think about it. There is something or someone that is keeping the fire going. You look to them and it reignites you or whatever, whoever that is. Identify that, that moment or that event or that person that's keeping the drive alive. The second question is who or what has influenced you or is influencing you to be passive, to be bland, dare I say to be lukewarm, to not care, to go through the motion. What event, what experience, what personality is influencing you for you to just be like, I'm here, whatever. And what influences us to dismiss it so casually? To even sit here and be like, is it a big deal? Like, is it that big of a deal? Like, you have to understand that you are influenced to be in the position that you are. You are where you are because of your influence. Could be your grandparents, your parents, situation. I don't know what it is, but identify why are you where you are in relationship to Jesus and what is your influence? Because some of us are burning hot for the Lord. And some of us want to burn hot for the Lord. And some of us still don't even care. We're just going through the motion because that's what we've been doing. We've grown up coming to church. We've grown up someone telling me, read the Bible, talk to Jesus, listen to Christian music. So it has numbed just us even evaluating why we are where we are. The condition of the church in America is appalling. Like it's either so spiritual that they're loony or it's so dead that you don't know if you're just receiving motivation or in, if you got chills, if it's the air conditioning. <laughs> Persecution draws out that confrontation and puts us in a place of making a decision. Yes. And in America, we're blessed that we don't have that. And so it's easy for, it's, Come on. Come on. Let's go. Come 
No, it gets worse. I mean, it gets worse. I'm going to skip because this, okay, I'm, I'm, I want to read something. Let me find it. Okay. Ah, that's too far down. That's too far down. Okay, I'm just, I'm going to pull it and then I'll come back, okay? All right, I, I'm, I'm, I am going to go there. This is, and I mentioned this uh, uh, some time ago, and I just, it just kind of like, in, under this context, under this influence, it's kind of sat a little more heavier, and I just, I'm compelled to bring it up. Uh, but I just want to bring up the sad case and a heartbreaking story of Judas the traitor. Um, we think that we are better than Judas the traitor because we're measuring our current life with his conclusion. Our life has not concluded yet. But if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 10, Matthew chapter 10, I want to read a few verses. This is sobering. Can I get a, a tissue, please? Matthew chapter 10. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal, the, uh, to, to, and to heal every kind of disease and every kind of sickness. All right, it's, it's beautiful, but, but, but listen to this. Jesus summoned his 12 disciples. How many disciples? Where was Judas? Where was Judas? Jesus has given Judas the authority like he is with all the, uh, the, 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 the other 11 disciples. When we think of Judas, we don't think of him being part of the fold. Now the names of the 12 apostles, and it goes, it goes through the names of the 12 apostles. Verse 5 says, these 12 Jesus sent out after instructing them, do not go into the way of the Gentiles and do not enter any city of the Samaritans, but rather go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You're sending, what, a lost Judas to the lost house? Because that's how we read it. And as you go, preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This was Judas's message. Jesus is telling Judas, go tell them. But Judas has to receive this himself. The kingdom of heaven is also for Judas. Verse 8, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the leper, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely you give. Are you measuring your life against Judas's life? Think about it. Is your life be, are you, are you a better example of a Christ follower than Judas? I don't want to shame anyone. I just want to just bring up to the forefront our self-righteousness at times that we don't even know that we're being self-righteous because we're comparing ourselves to the lost, but not comparing ourselves to the Christ. Oh, if that was the only, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Luke chapter 10, verse 17. Matthew, Mark, Luke chapter 10, verse 17. The 70 returned 
with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I was watching Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are recorded in heaven. <laughs> Whose names are recorded in heaven? Was Judas one of them? Luke chapter 22. been a while since I flipped the Bible like this on the stage and I'm enjoying it thoroughly. Luke chapter 22, verse 19. And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples to them saying, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this cup which is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. But behold, the hand of the one betraying me is is with mine on the table. But indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to discuss among themselves which one of them it would be who is going to do this thing. After all the things that Jesus authorized them to do, after all these years that Jesus has been with them, they're questioning, is it me? We think that everybody's like, of course, Judas. No, they're saying, which one of us is the traitor? So if we were to say, the Lord has given me a word that there is a four traitors among us, would you be questioning, Lord, is it I? Or would you be like, oh, definitely not me. It's probably you. <clears throat> John chapter 13, verse two. During supper, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simeon to betray him, Jesus knowing that the father had given all things into his hands was going back to the father He got up from supper and laid aside his garments and taking a towel, he girded himself. This is in Jesus's forefront of his mind. He's not just saying that the father told me that one of you has betrayed me. He's more like saying, the Lord told me which one of you has going to betray me. And then he proceeds to bring the good news to Judas by by washing his feet. This is not how bad Judas is. This is how good Jesus is. The 
beautiness of Jesus reaching out to Judas over and over and over and over. The beauty of Jesus reaching out to you and me over and over and over and over. But a lot of times, self-righteousness comes in when we are doing it based on association. I'm in church, not at a club, right? I'm drinking coffee, not booze, right? I'm not doing anything bad, so I must be good. Verse 1 in John 13 is really beautiful because it says, so chapter 13, verse 1 says, Now before the feast, the, the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that his hour had come, that he would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I think we're not interested in Jesus influencing us because we don't understand his love towards us. I think we have dethroned him without realizing he's not really the elevated and lifted up savior, Lord and King that we tell others that he is. And I'm sure you and I have reasons of why we are where we are. So I'm not trying to throw any stones at anyone but you and I have today to evaluate our influence and figure out why am I not allowing Jesus to influence me I mean, Romans chapter 1 verse 28 says since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, uh, malicious behavior, and gossip. Oops, that's a typo. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, boastful. They invent new ways of sinning and they disobey their parents. Thank you for this. They refuse to understand, break their promises, are heartless and have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyways. Worse yet, they encourage or influence others to do them too. When you're going after God with everything that you have and you're wanting him to influence you, Satan's gonna come and try to undermine that and take that away because that is the worst thing in his eyes that you and I can do. Romans 8, 14, for all who are led by the spirit of God, those are the sons of God. For everyone who is influenced by the spirit of God are the ones who are sons of God children of God. I love what Martin Luther King Jr. said as we're celebrating and remembering his life this week. He said, 
take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole staircase. Just take the first step. Hmm. The Holy Spirit wants to be very active in our daily life. We cannot be known as Christians just by associating ourselves with the name. Would your coworkers or your friends be surprised to see you in church? So I'm going to go back and I want to talk about this real practical things of how can we be influenced by Jesus? For those of you who want to know, for those of us who are curious, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk through this and I'm going to end it there because the Lord has to deal with us. I, don't, I, can't, I can't say anything to you. I don't know your life. And so I'm not here to cast any stones at anyone because I have no clue. I have no clue. And it's not for me to know. But it's for me to challenge making sure that you know because you definitely know. Some of you are burning for God and you are an influence in my life. And some of you are lukewarm and you're influence in my life as well. In those times where I'm not burning... I look at you and I'm like, yeah, okay, well, I'm better than them. <laughs> right? Do, is it me? No one else does this? Just, okay, just me. Thank you. <laughs> so how can we be influenced by Jesus? So it's, it's, it's really practical, really simple, but it requires us to take steps. Number one, if the Holy Spirit has been deposited or given to you, to those of you who have placed your faith in Jesus, given you, giving him, given him your life, submitted your will, your future, asked him to forgive you, surrendered your life to him. He has, in exchange for your belief, he has given you himself in spirit. The Holy Spirit is then deposited into your life. Two, you now have access, permission, and invitation to develop a real, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Each and every one of us. Some people are burning because they're connected with the Holy Spirit. And if you're not burning, check your connection with him. Is he real to you or, if he, or is he just a thought, an idea, a concept, a theological understanding? Since you're now wanting to be influenced by Jesus, the Holy Spirit is going to want to, let me say that, <laughs> going to want, the Holy Spirit is going to begin to take steps to walk closely with you. And I want to give you a couple of passages because this is what it's going to look like. These are, there's two, two words here that I want to read. Um, but the way that this is going to happen that Paul describes in Corinthians and, and, and in, Philippi, uh, um, in Philippians is this, that this is done through direct communication and direct communion. (laughs) 
Second Corinthians chapter 13 says this, that the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I don't get fed in church. Hmm. No one reaches out to me. Hmm. Philippians 2.1, therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the spirit. You see, Jesus was relational with his disciples. This was not a one-off meeting. Hey, meet me in Galilee, you know, twice a week. No, he was in close connection with his disciples. And so the Holy Spirit takes on that role and basically says the relationship is always open and always there. It's on you and on me to engage or not. The third thing is realize that the Holy Spirit is your personal teacher and guide in this life. So you have to submit to his teaching and his guidance. John 14 says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, this is Jesus saying, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all the things that I said to you. So now here we are being influenced by Jesus' teaching because the Holy Spirit is gonna be like, oh yeah, Jesus spoke on that. Oh yeah, Jesus addressed that. That's how you're saying like, oh, that was pretty easy. John 16, 13 says this, however, when he, the, whole, the spirit of truth has come, this is Jesus, he's saying he will guide you into all truth. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. All right, the fourth thing, and this is where I plucked Judas out, but the fourth thing is that, that the Holy Spirit is actively wanting this with each person. Doesn't matter your past. Doesn't matter what you brought today. Doesn't matter how dismissive you are. If you don't believe anything tomorrow, the Holy Spirit is still gonna want this. But here's the warning. Do not resist, rebel, grieve, or quench the Holy Spirit. We read in Isaiah, but they rebelled and grieved his Holy Spirit, so he turned himself against them as an enemy. Oof. First Thessalonians 5, 19 says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecy, test all things, hold fast to what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Meaning that if you quench the Holy Spirit, you'll be subjected to the things that you're needing to abstain from. Acts 7.51, you stiff-necked, uncircumcised members of Avial City Church. <laughs> you always resist the Holy Spirit. As your fathers did, so do you. Oof, I hate it when the Holy Spirit brings up my parents because we, we, we find so many excuses in them. Like we... We can excuse all of our life just by saying, well, my parents, my genetics, that's how I grew up with. 
That's just who I am. Ephesians 4.30, and do not give the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were stealed for the day of redemption. So it's really simple. I would invite us to evaluate this morning. If you are on fire for God or if you're lukewarm, just evaluate. Say, what has influenced me to be in this position? And then for all of us, even if you're already influenced by the Holy Spirit and by by Jesus, I would just encourage us that the way that we're influenced by him is just by being with him. It's not a complex thing. There are so many people who go to church and have no clue who Jesus is. Way too many. This is why we, we, you know, distinguish churchgoers and Christ followers. There's too many people who just believe but don't develop their walk with him because they just wanted to get through the door. And that has been going on for for years and years and years. And then when when you're around people who are in that same way, then the influence rubs off and you're in great company. So if someone in fiery comes in, you're like, ooh, you're too much for us. But reality, God sent them to ignite, to reignite, to make you begin to reflect and say, man, I remember, I remember when Jesus and I, I remember when, when that was triggered and I couldn't get a, enough of him. I remember that, I don't remember what happened, but that his presence was what I longed for, what I would give up everything for, why I show up for church, why I read the Bible, why I want to even know his heart because his presence is just everything. We have, we have way too many options for substitutes. And the deception is that we buy into them without realizing that we have substituted him for something else. those moments, Jesus becomes an add-on. And when you add something that's supposed to take over, it doesn't work. He's not meant for you and I to add him to our life. We're meant to give him all of our life. But it's so exactly right. But like it was said, there is fear, there's different influences, and we're just maybe hesitant, maybe hurt, maybe broken, maybe whatever's going on in your life, whatever's going on in your life, your best friend is still gonna be Jesus. He just, he just is, but that has to be developed. That has to be, you have to participate. You have to solicit his influence. Like solicit, like go after it, ask him. He's silent, ask him again, open scripture. Ask him, pursue him. Those who search for him will find him. (laughs) One small thing, I know we're in our 21 days of 
um, spending time with 21 days with Jesus. And we're fasting, reading the Bible, praying. And we all are fasting differently, doing different things based on where we are in life. And, you know, and some, some, some people think that, oh, this is just a work and I'm under grace and why am I doing this? This is like whatever. And, or you're just like, oh, I, I need to lose some weight. This is great. Just right in rhythm. Um, <laughs> fasting is a practice that the church, it, it kind of like disappeared from church disciplines. I found this quote that was kind of crazy. And John Wesley would not ordain anyone unless they fasted twice a week. The church actually had this discipline where they fasted Wednesdays and Fridays. And John Wesley would not. And of course you can make it into some legalistic thing. Go for it, but you only make legalistic things legalistic is when you're doing it out of out of outside of relationship. Because whatever you do in relationship is never legalistic. But if it's outside of relationship, it's no matter what you do is going to be legalistic. So, so it's kind of interesting that that maybe God is calling us back to this place of saying, man, we've been influenced by other things, maybe not evil things or bad things, but that we are just not influenced by Jesus. Maybe that's where you're at. You and I have the opportunity to to ask Jesus, what is he telling me? Father, speak to your people.